Hello and welcome to Additive Insight, your source for news, interviews and comment on the latest 3D printing and additive manufacturing intelligence, brought to you by TCT Magazine. This week, Callie Higgins, a materials research engineer at the National Institute of Standards and Technology, is joined by Stephanie Benight, President and Principal Scientist at Tactile Material Solutions. Pair have spent their careers working with photopolymer 3D printing materials and are both credited as founders of the Photopolymer Additive Manufacturing Alliance. Throughout this conversation, they explore the ongoing innovation in photopolymer materials, the application trends and opportunities for photopolymer technologies, and the importance of standards to the AM industry. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more additive insight, head on over to tctmagazine.com where you can subscribe to the print edition of TCT Magazine and our weekly additive insight newsletter for free. Hey Kelly, good morning. How's it going there in Colorado? <laughs> Good morning. It's it's great. It's nice. It's starting to finally feel like spring. I'm excited. It's it's lots of you know excitement coming around and and feeling like spring in in the world of additive manufacturing as well. <laughs> yeah, I think there's been some uh, exciting announcements recently with respect to photopolymer additive manufacturing. Did you see the news about the the million parts uh, order? Oh my gosh. No kidding. Spencer, props to you. That was, it's an incredible order and I'm really excited for them. So coming to a Home Depot near you, there will be uh, <laughs> dust, there will be Merit 3D parts, which is really exciting. I think it, I think it might be one of the largest orders ever for additive manufacturing broadly, let alone photopolymer additive. So it's a huge, exciting win for our field. Definitely. Oh, fan- yeah. Fantastic. I didn't realize that, you know, it was a large order you know, with uh, the broad uh, technologies mm-hmm. of additive manufacturing. So, and it's photopolymers. Uh, that's <laughs> fantastic. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that great, great job, Spencer. Keep up the good work. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. I'm thrilled for him. Um, so just to give a little bit of background on myself. So uh, I work at the National Institute of Standards and Technology, and I am one of the project leaders for photopolymer additive manufacturing at NIST. And for those who aren't familiar with NIST, we essentially are the lab of industry, the national lab of industry. That's the tagline that is often associated with us. We are the only congressionally funded national lab, and we exist to serve U.S. commerce. So if we aren't doing research that will benefit U.S. industry, then we should not be doing it, which is awesome because I love being able to do research and develop standards that can directly affect basically, you know, everyone I talk to. So it's it's a really fun, fun area to be in and, and lab to be in. And um, I'm just excited to be able to focus on photopolymer additives specifically because of the virtues that I think we'll be able to discuss today a lot. Yeah. And, you know, for, for those who don't know me, my name is Stephanie Benight and I am a founder and president principal scientist at Tactile Material Solutions, which is a consulting firm focused on polymer materials and with an additive uh, specialty in photopolymers. So 
Um, we do all sorts of work from material characterization to advising on strategy in the space, um, helping companies with technical content around messaging um, of materials and equipment. So uh, yeah, I'm, I tend to be a photopolymer nut, really excited about mm -hmm. the technology and uh, excited about the, you know, some of the formalities uh, around testing and rigor around testing that are starting to come about um, sort of in the realm of standardization, which I know uh, Kelly and I share and we're going to talk about today. So, uh, no, it's great to be here. And, um, you know, Kelly, I was just curious, what are you, what are you most excited about in the photopolymer space currently? Yeah, I think that's that's such a good question because I think there is so much to be excited about. Uh, I I I think every conference that I go to and every meeting that I go to, I see more and more the virtues of you know, of course, additive manufacturing broadly and the customization aspect, but specifically VAT photopolymerization or photopolymer-based um, additive manufacturing systems are so interesting because they afford the ability to program not only, you know, the geometry of a given structure, but the chemical and, and mechanical properties of a given structure, because you are programming them down to, you're building molecules, like molecule by molecule, which is is really a, a transformative technology that, that hasn't existed before now. And we can control them in three dimensions. And, and that's what we're hoping to do is, is develop the, the foundational science to help inform a lot of that. And so that opens up a substantial number of fields that just never have existed before. You know, like, for instance, regenerative well, medicine. Just, to, ju a, just yeah. to jump jump in. I mean, I think you really mentioned something that potentially a lot of people overlook is that in the photopolymer printing space in the technology, I mean, that re that print chamber, especially in a DLP platform, pretty much is a chemical reaction chamber that's happening. And you have the right. potential to add heat and even nitrogen or different, different aspects of that. And um, monitoring that chemical reaction to get optimal material properties. So that's one of, in my mind, one of the coolest things about photopolymer additive manufacturing mm -hmm. is the ability to do that chemistry on a on a rapid scale. And I think it's, you know, it enabled so many different materials. And I, I heard you were going to go into some uh, hydrogels. I mean, tell me tell me about hy hydrogels. I mean, that's I, I, I let's for everyone on the, in the audience to talk more about that. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, with your expertise, you you know, I think with photopolymers, it's it's awesome because there's just a huge breadth of different types of materials that can be used now uh, to to do these kinds of fabrication and, and do these kinds of prints. Um, but specifically, I'm I'm just so interested in hydrogels, which are these water. They're, they're essentially polymers that are either have have a have water in them or they can be swollen with water. And those are so powerful, especially for for biomedical applications and personalized medicine applications, because that means that you can put cells into these structures and you can send in the right chemical cues and, and nutrients to keep those cells not only alive, but potentially allow them to continue to, to differentiate and or proliferate, so grow and replace the existing network. And that's that's what's also essential for, you know, organ replacement, for instance. You know, you need to be able to to not only just put a foreign object into a person and have it behave like a like a lung or or like a kidney, it it if it, for it to work really, really effectively long term 
the body needs to be replacing it. And so that's what's so interesting about this is that you can engineer these materials to have, you know, degradable units so that, you know, water will either degrade them or the cells can secrete enzymes that will uh, degrade degrade the matrix itself. Uh, so it's, it's well, fascinating that what's happening. Mm -hmm. That biocompatibility is so important when it comes right. to applications inside the body. And I, I think the ability you're mentioning to have parts of the the system degrade and parts of it to stay around. I mean, that's that's mm -hmm. fascinating. I mean, to me, that opens up so many different applications in the medical space. And then if you can customize those things to an individual's body, either chemistry and or uh, parts and organs, mm -hmm. um, that's 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 awesome. Right. It's it's just kind of wild, you know, to be honest, like it sounds <laughs> right. like it sounds like kind of fantastical. But then, you know, you look at there's so, there are some companies that are really investing in this space. And I think in general, you know, a lot of photopolymer additive companies are starting to recognize how much to be to be honest, money is in this in this potential industry. You know, it's, it's a potentially multi-trillion dollar field uh, organ replacement. I think we all are very familiar with how, you know, the organ donation area of of you know society is is troubled for many reasons and so if there's some way to support it this is it could have a lot of opportunity and it's incredibly powerful curious. to think I mean, that this do you could help think that. that that's i'm curious do you think that that's going to uh kind of how that'll play out is that doctors will have printers uh, in their office or do you think it'll be more like the dental space where you have these centralized laboratories that really take the orders from the dentist to create these custom parts. I'm just curious how mm -hmm. how that might yeah. work. Yeah, I think it's a really good question. I think there is a lot of innovation happening across the board. So like you go to the Mayo Clinic and they're doing such awesome stuff. So it depends on what I think the application will be like for, for instance, like so the Mayo Clinic is, is building these representative models for surgeons to practice on before they go into surgery and that absolutely they'll have in the the hospital unit so they'll be able to fabricate these these structures that have the same texture and 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 you know stiffness to them so that you know a surgeon can practice with their scalpels and see how how the, the tissue will behave uh, before they go into a person to do the surgery uh, but in terms of organ replacement i think it's so specialized and so there are so many variables that you have to think about. I think it would, you would need to have a de dedicated laboratory uh, for those efforts. Uh, but who knows? You know, <laughs> I, 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 if someone had asked me ten years ago if organ printing was was going to happen, I'd be like, in theory, I, I, it can happen. Um, in in what time frame are we talking? You know. But now it's it's really accelerating. Like it's coming to fruition, and and I think there's a lot of amazing potential in the coming decades. Well, I just remember, I think when I was in middle school or high school, you know, someone asked me what I wanted to do when I grew up. And I, I at the time, it was organ cloning. It was. I was super into organ no cloning. I, I, that's what I wanted I to do. It. And I thought it was so important. And that was going to be one of my life's missions. And and I ended up taking, you know, I, I became a chemist, but I ended up taking a slightly different path. Um, but it's funny that if, you know, you know, being in the field of photopolymer additive manufacturing and if that actually comes about and end up working on that in this sort of roundabout way that I did envision at least personally I think that'd be pretty pretty ironic <laughs> uh I think that'd be unbelievable that would be amazing I, I I'd read a book about that let's do that let's do it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. super ironic but incredible
Oh, I yeah, love that's that. Funny. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so neat. So, I mean, God, I, you know, hydrogels, great materials overall. I mean, and then if they're 3D printable, I mean, I think those applications you mentioned are so eye-opening. And I think when we chatted before, you were mentioning um, that there's, you know, this is occurring with photopolymer additive currently. Exactly. Like who's, mm-hmm. who's working on that? I mean, are there like specific applications that are that are coming about from that that are kind of on the horizon in the near term? You know, I, I'm not sure how near term you know, any like an organ will be distributed. I think that seems like that's probably a decade problem. Um, but in terms of like tissue regeneration, so there's, you know, Melissa Krabs at, at um Colorado School of Mines. She has, she has, uh, you know, regenerative tissues that she's working on, and she's working, starting to to develop new technologies for for additive manufacturing. So she's she's building the tissues as they are. Um, but there's those those kinds of things are starting to come online. So that would be a you know like like for for rapid healing of skin, for instance, um, like dermal patches. Uh, but there's also you know pretty substantial 3D printing companies that are working with with you know very large biomedical companies to build out and we actually are collaborating with with some some companies in this areas in these areas to develop their technology you mean NIST and NIST yeah so we we fortunately were able to work with companies directly um, through cooperative research and development agreements where we can help you know we you know build out our fundamental science and potential standards efforts and they can benefit from you know the resources and expertise that we have and so it's a really awesome way to to really flesh out new materials and or or new developments uh in in a given technology without having to to expend such huge capital investment um because we already have these resources that that can be tapped into uh so that's that's been really exciting to see and and honestly like you know we we run these experiments and then we meet and they implement our our results right like on like on the week you know so they they can really give us real-time feedback and and that's what's so exciting about working with industry and as, as I think so many people here are a part of industry because it moves so much faster than academia in general and government in general and so the ability for us to work with companies and and allow for that rapid development is just is really rewarding and, and just exciting to see as as a taxpayer you know as somebody that just wants to see this field succeed so so drastically and so because it's such an important area um but i that's what's I think, so exciting though about photopolymers mm-hmm. photopolymer additive is like there's a continually new materials being developed and new applications being identified and then as you know the cycle continues i mean as you're able to innovate on these new materials with with various properties you're able to open up different applications and so it's always exciting to see what the news is going to bring as far as who's printing what with you know this type of chemistry um oh my gosh, as you put absolutely. it it's, just, it's wild um right you know you it's mentioned just, it's, inc- yeah. it's incredible mm-hmm. yeah yeah i think some of the so the greatest things that can occur are when you have different organizations like in from industry from government and academia putting heads together to solve some of these tough problems i mean particularly mm-hmm. with uh standardization um now right. that we've got you know it's it's always been a thing with uh highly regulated industries where you know there's maximal um effects to humans whether it's uh, aerospace or uh, cars and automotive or in medical applications, you know, 
those highly regulated industries, I think we've seen have tended to um, drive the standards activities, particularly on the metal side. But, um, you know, I think now we actually have uh, an ASTM committee around uh, VAT photopolymerization that you and I both work on, as well as some representatives from industry and uh, academia. And, um, you know, for those of you out there, we're working on a design guide for VAT photopolymerization. So that, that stay tuned for that. That's going to be a pretty meaty document, but we're aiming it for it to be very approachable and very informative. Um, and then also, um, you know, there's other polymer AM standardization activities going on. So the to me, those are some of the most important things because when you are able to uh, verify product integrity through material properties and test those to a, a standard that different people in the industry, government, academia have come together to put in place um, to meet different needs, um, then you really have confidence in using these materials for different applications that will be in the real world that humans will interface with. So, um, you know, I know right. we've had so many chats in the past about standardization. Um, I know, what are some of the other standards activities uh, going on with respect to photopolymer materials? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And it's such a good discussion point. And, you know, I'll note that, so NIST, you know, we have standards in our name. And it's often like people like people often don't want to talk about standards because they're like, oh, that's not very sexy. That's not something like that gets me excited or gets me going. But you know what? This field is going to rely on them. Like we will if if we the I think the main reason I emphasize that is just that because we these materials are so novel and so so unknown if we do not have standards to you know implement for high performance you know application spaces specifically any one catastrophic failure like say in flight or in the human body will lead to industry implosion like i i i, I am not over exaggerating that point like if we have failure people will not adopt it and and standards are what enable us to not have that failure. And so it's wildly critical that we invest the time and effort in this space. And so I think it's important for this entire community to rally behind these efforts. And so I joined ASTM a number of years ago, specifically just because I was interested in hearing what's happening in that photopolymerization for, for additive manufacturing. And it turns out not much, which is deeply <laughs> unsettling, but it's it's a challenging field. So I get it. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be investing in this space and, and we should really put it in a concerted effort. So I'm a co-chair of F420502, which is the material, like the, the polymeric materials. And we yeah, don't serve have on that a ton too. of it. Exactly. Yeah. So Stephanie is, is part of this with us. And it's really important to to have industry members as part of these groups because they help inform where we need to be investing our time and efforts. And so, for instance, at NIST, you know, as part of the feedback that we received both through F42 and through uh, a, an alliance organization that NIST co-founded with RadTech, which is a, a trade association, um, which is the Photopolymer Additive Manufacturing Alliance. And we heard from our stakeholders that there is not a consensus in the field for just cure depth, which is a fundamental measurement in, in VAT photopolymerization. And that is what defines your cure depth, essentially, or your, your Z your Z resolution. So how deeply 
uh, or how thin or thick of a layer that you can print um, in a given time. And so that is a really important measurement for for a number of reasons, and there isn't consensus across the field on how to do that or or what you need to be measuring or or any of the, any of the, the factors essentially are surrounding it. So NIST took it upon itself. So my my co-project leader is leading a interlaboratory study to essentially gather a, a bunch of different industry partners and and academia and government labs. Uh, of which we have over 20 participants now that essentially we ask them here is a standard here's a here's a reference resin that is provided by NIST so everyone's getting the exact same resin and we tell them to take a cure depth measurement tell us what you did tell us what you measured and then just give us your results so we're not giving any prescriptions in terms of of how to do the measurement but just tell us what you did and then from there the idea is that we can hopefully either develop future reference materials, so future reference resins um, that can be used to calibrate a given system or calibrate a given measurement um, and or develop the actual measurement technology itself, the measurement itself. Uh, do we do we need to improve the working curve? Do we need to inform how we take that working curve measurement? Um, do we need a new model? You know, there, there's a lot of questions that are open right now because of this, and, and that will lead to new standards in this space. And that's exactly the kinds of questions that we want. And it's, again, directly an output of of our engagement with stakeholders and stakeholders saying, hey, this is something that's important that we need to actually address. Um, and, and also another area of this is is a new way to measure the mechanical performance of of these of these test specimen, because I think we all know that the standard dog bone doesn't cut it for a lot of applications and the material doesn't perform in bulk if you're trying to print a, a, a highly complex structure. So they won't have the same representative properties. And and that's hugely important and and that's one of the the virtues of additive manufacturing is is complex structures and if uh it doesn't behave that way then then we need and we need a new standard yeah i mean i think what you said some of the one of the important things you mentioned is that th these types of standards activities for those of you who aren't familiar are are user driven and user led so even though there's an astm standards body uh, you know, they essentially are are an organization that allows these folks to come together and provide input to the standards. So if you're at your company and you're really, you know, or you're trying to sell your material to a specific um, industry stakeholder, then, you know, you have the power to influence these standards um, for uh, additive manufacturing. And so it's, I think what you said there, it's really important. I, I love what you guys are doing with that study um, of the cure depth, because essentially you're just saying, hey, everybody, you're doing a survey. Tell us how you do this measurement. So you're gathering information mm -hmm. and then you can determine maybe from there and who better to do it than this. You guys do standards for and <laughs> metrology for a living. Uh, you know, come up with um, either a standard uh, resin or material or protocol that everyone can adopt and use. And given, mm -hmm. you know, there's so many brilliant scientists in this, uh, then, you know, that that makes total sense. And you guys can be the authoritative body to, to do that standard. Um, I think that's great. And I think there's more activities that are starting to come about in this space around that. So right. that's awesome to hear. Right. And those are the kinds of things like, you know, I love that you mentioned the fact that this is, you know, ASTM is essentially kind of like a user's 
group. You know, we need people that are employing this technology to serve on these committees, you know, and it's it's so important. And honestly, it really doesn't take that much time. Like it is right. You know, it is it is a professional service. It, it is service that you can be doing and it, it doesn't require very much effort on your part. And it can drive the success of this field. Like it's it it is no small task or, you know, you know, it's not, it can't be under underappreciated uh, those who serve on these kinds of committees because it's incredibly important. And, you know, we talked a lot about standardization, but there's also certification that mm-hmm. can be really important, especially for specific industries. And, you know, right. I know you well has their blue card program for materials where they do all sorts of rigorous testing. Then you have a blue card for the material to show that for some of these more highly regulated industries, you know, you have a, a really strong seal of approval um, for right. for the material. So in those, there are some user-led uh, committees for those certifications as well. Um, mm-hmm. So just want to highlight that because that's kind of uh, an associated but slightly different avenue for really ensuring that these materials, you know, perform consistently, are tested rigorously, and you know, coming a little bit from the product liability litigation space, that is so important when it comes mm-hmm. to how are these materials going to perform in the environment, in the real world that are intended for? Um, right. Does the 3D printing process affect those material properties? How, you know, there's often in uh, DLP photopolymer printing, you know, there's a specific workflow that the company that either created the material or the printer company that develops settings around printing the material um, establish. And uh, I can't emphasize enough how important it is to follow instructions and those specific workflows, because that can really affect the material properties down the road. And um if you don't follow those instructions can often lead to a material with properties that aren't um, that exemplifies properties that aren't consistent with what's on the technical data sheet. Um, So, you know, technical rigor around testing, you know, having standards that folks follow that at least are a guideline for that sort of material validation for real world products is uh, so important. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. uh, So I'm so glad we're talking about this. Yeah. Well, and I think that that's also a huge component of like, that's, that's almost like the non-technical component of like elephant in the room for this field is education. Like that is such a huge piece. Like I was just recently at AMUG and we had this awesome, you know, open format discussion about what really is, is something that, is holding us back as an industry. And honestly, it's educating, you know, the consumer, all aspects of who whoever stakeholders are we have. Because I think people just don't necessarily understand what they need to be doing, like be it following the directions and, and really following them to a T in order to perf- have the materials that perform in ways that they that they want them to, or as the you know the manufacturer said that they would. Um, and and that's and understanding why that is the case. I think helping people understand what happens when they do these ad hoc modifications and why that would lead to potential part failure and why that might, you know, or print failure for, you know, for that matter. And, and it's not necessarily a problem with the the system. It's, it's likely something that 
is just happening because, you know, either someone didn't calibrate something properly or didn't follow the certain certain rigor that was required for that one part. Uh, and and that's that's just that's the onus is a lot on us, the, the people that are really striving, striving to to push the field forward, to educate and and inform the general public about what what it is that this technology can do and and how to best execute execute it. Well, I think with the education, I mean, first of all, it's it's super important, but I, I think you probably hit the nail on the head for every CMO or head of product marketing <laughs> out there in yeah. additive that is trying to get their product out there in a way and use as intended and, and followed instructions. And I, I think there's a lot of debate, especially with some of the folks that I work with on, you know, what is the most effective way to deliver that messaging around, mm -hmm. you know, material workflows, you know, what ifs, uh, if you right. don't do this, this happens or, um, you know, and also you've got so many different folks in an organization, you know, you've got folks uh, kind of more on the higher level of an organization that maybe are more broad, less technical, they're receiving that information one way. You have the actual mm -hmm. doers in the organization that are printing with the material and technology that are, you know, you know, needing to absorb that information in a way that's that they're able to. Um, so clear instructions that, you know, include interfacing with the machine and the and the material and proper handling and safety. Right. Um, so so yeah, yeah. I, I think the you know, there's there's of course different ways to deliver the information, but you know really being thoughtful with how you're delivering that um, technical content so that the folks reading it uh, can actually absorb it and use the information in an actionable way um, right. is, is one of the things that I see that that organizations and their with their customers uh, and their customers themselves struggle with. Mm -hmm. One, and it is a tough, it's a tough model because it's such an interesting industry in that you know we have people at all at all levels interacting with these machines and using these machines and so making sure that we're delivering the messaging at a level that's a that's that's useful to whoever's operating the machine is is something that needs to be honed and very specific likely to the industry that's using it uh, and and to the system, and, and I think one of the challenges with photopolymer additive and the virtues is that there are so many incredible ways to produce parts with this. You know, there's there's digital light processing, so projecting a two-dimensional slice of a three-dimensional image, or using a laser system, or you know, projecting into a volume and polymerizing in in a rotating volume. There's there are just so many different ways that people are iterating on on how to even fabricate these parts that it can be challenging to put out, you know, these guidelines like, you know, we're, we're putting together a, a, a design guide for that photopolymerization, but with the knowledge that it's a continuously evolving field and they right. are these, the, they're not prescriptive. The, the guidelines that we are going to be providing are not prescriptive to every single that photopolymerization technology out there. And they can't be because of the versatility of the technology. Yeah, it's a it's a guide it's a guide, right? It's a it's a right. guideline for for things to do. And exactly. yeah, you know, I was just talking. I was talking to someone at Amog, part of a, a big company, technology company that recently had a printer installed. You know, they they their organization paid upwards of one hundred fifty thousand dollars for this printer, 
And then a month later, you know, her staff who are also very savvy, just uh, can't use this thing. They there's there's issues. They're having trouble. They have maybe one document to help. They can't reach the company. (laughs) And I think, you know, overall, like some of these companies can do a little better because even though they're utilizing the same technology, similar, you know, technology dealing with photopolymers, uh, they ha- you have to make sure that these customers are successful. And they're, you right. know, I think we would be, you know, not telling the truth if we were to say that there isn't a learning curve when it comes to photopolymer oh. AM, but mm-hmm. it's certainly in, in the workflow. But it, in, when the work, when I say the workflow, I mean setting up the print, the printing itself, the post processing, you know, ensuring that the part is ready after that multi step process. So, Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think companies uh, certainly making sure that, you know, as even though you deploy this printer and you've got your money in hand for selling it, uh, making sure that these customers are set up for success and using the technology and then don't become turned off from it just from a lack of support. Exactly. And that's what is such a huge fear of mine. And I think for a lot of people across the field is is people reading about the virtues and not recognizing how challenging it can be to to produce like why why it's it's difficult problem for a reason but it's it that's the difficulty is also what la- allows for the complexity that makes it so useful and and that's that's just so it's so hard to hear because it's like yes i completely understand why you wouldn't want to use it because these parts keep failing but it's because you don't have the the proper training or or support to help produce the parts that you could fabricate otherwise. Um, and and I think, again, that, that really points back to that education piece that we've been talking about and and making sure. And, I, and that also points to this photopolymer Additive Manufacturing Alliance in that, you know, we really want to Pama. be, a, you know, Pama, yeah, Pama. So Pama, for, for Pama to be able to, you know, produce tutorials, like have, have, you know, fill this need, fill this void in some capacity. So be it, be it through an education means. Essentially, it's you know serving to he- hear what's happening across the space and help inform either new research or or new areas of investment. Be it you know education or standards um, across the field and and inform all of those those new developments because we have such such strong industry partners. Uh, and and I think that's that's a really great opportunity for you know associations like like PAMA to to step in and and build out this infrastructure of education so people have a resource to go to. So, hey, if you're trying to do a print on a given, you know, XYZ printer, here are some really important things to consider. And I think, you know, to that end, you know, and, and TCT is, you know, of course, producing this podcast, but like media has a really beautiful role to play in this as well. You know, like I think there are some incredible resources online that that do a great job of, of really getting into the nitty gritty of a lot of these printers and helping you understand things that you need to consider when you're when you're setting up your system, when you're doing a print and when you're doing post processes. So for those of you interested, I mean, uh, PAMA3D.org is the website. Learn more about the Photopolymer Additive Manufacturing Alliance. We're going to mm-hmm. have a workshop coming up at uh, I think it's the end of September of this year in Colorado, oh. right? Right, Callie? Yeah, so the workshop is the 18th and 19th of September, and it's uh, 
essentially the the beginning of what uh, we're calling photopolymer week and it's going to be followed up by a conference um, called photo fundamentals of photopolymerization and it's a it's a conference that's held um biannually so every other year and it's it's cool because it's it's generally quite technical um the conference itself um, but the workshop will be a really great way to to help us you know get all on the same page so like hey where are we in the space um in 2019 we held our first workshop um, that was the precursor to pama actually and it essentially allowed us to have really open honest dialogue uh, about what's happening in the field and where we're going and how how we can actually move the field forward as a community and then now with this workshop we're hoping to to not only you know have again those open honest conversations about the field but develop action items like really strong outcomes that that we produce from the workshop such that we all walk away with something that we're going to do to help move this field forward and that's what i'm really excited about with this workshop in september so uh, i highly recommend you get involved if you are interested or uh, by contacting myself stephanie uh, or by going onto our pama3d.org website uh, i think there's a lot of opportunity space there and your your perspective and opinions are incredibly valuable uh, this is a, a really it's it need, it's an all hands on deck situation and and all perspectives are very welcome and needed. Right on.